0: Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us on our second week in our brand new series from the book of James called Faith That Works. You know, James is called the most practical book in all the Bible, and I would agree with that. However, practicality and challenging all at the same time. When I hear people say, hey, let's just preach the gospel, I think I know what they mean. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so this book, the book of James, is the way that Christ followers apply the gospel to the way we live and the way we talk. You see, all through the New Testament, we are given instruction by all of the writers of the New Testament on how to give a clear path by our lives to Jesus. And so welcome to our second week and another way to point people to Jesus with our lives. Truth be told, James is actually one of my favorite books in all the Bible. I've got three favorites, the Psalms, almost all of them, the book of Romans, and this book of James. So over the next few weeks, we're going to share uh, some of our favorite books of the Bible. Last week, Pastor Tyler kicked us off with the very first 18 verses of chapter 1. Today, we're going to pick up in chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. You can find it. It'll all be there on the lower thirds of your screen. I want you to join me and read it out loud wherever you are right now. My dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. For man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. That's how the NIV version speaks. Do you ever read the writings of the New Testament and you look at your own life and you feel like a total failure? Man, I really do. Here's my experience with this particular part of James chapter 1. I am often slow to listen, quick to speak, and quick to become angry. Does that sound familiar to you? Anger is a problem in many of our lives, and anger is a real issue in this world. So what can we do about it? Let's unpack that just for a moment. Often failure, ours or someone else's uncover this very difficult emotion called anger. Psychologists tell us that anger is the emotion that is most familiar to men. We look angry, sound angry much of the time. You see, it looks like anger when we're frustrated. It looks like anger when we're confused, when we're weary, and when we're angry. It all looks the same. And these same psychologists say that anger is one of the top things that make women afraid. It makes them want to pull back, become silent. Houston, we have a problem. Now be sure, anger is not just what men feel and show. There are angry women too. Some of you know them. Some of you have poked the bear and the bear wakes up. This is a universal problem and a growing issue in relationships. So really, how do we deal with anger? Anger is an emotion we all face, and at times, it will take a huge toll on our blood pressure, on our emotional health, certainly on the emotional health of our families, maybe the people that we work with. You see, anger has side effects. And just like many medications that are on the market today, the side effects can actually be worse than the problem itself. There is an anger that seeds. There's an anger that boils. There's an anger that quickly can jump to rage. Left in its wake are casualties everywhere. Broken doors, snapped baseball bats, guys with blackened eyes, women with their lights punched out, sometimes even broken hearts, relationships that are wounded, sometimes beyond easy repair. Homes explode, churches implode, businesses crumble, all from an out of control emotion called anger. Anger can escalate to a dangerous level. It's called rage and wrath and can quickly result in death, all out of anger. Crimes of passion are simply anger gone wild. Anger is rooted in envy, and more specifically, often comparison. These two verses end with a commanding declaration that will not simply let me off the hook by saying, hey, that's just the way I am. Or, this is the way God made me. I want you to read it with me one more time. For my anger. The original said, for man's anger. Make it personal. Read it that way. For my anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Ouch. That kind of hurts, doesn't it? I read that, and although it really hits me personally, I also agree with it. How about you? So here is the way that we can welcome and embrace and then practice the Word of God, which is what makes the writings of James so practical. Verse 21 says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Think about that for a moment. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. You see, James is speaking to Christ followers here. Moral filth, really? Evil, prevalent in the lives of Christ followers? Absolutely. As we read the New Testament, we realize that a lot of that is so natural and normal in the flesh. Read it with me as he continues there, and he said, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Humbly accept, welcome, embrace the word that is planted in you. It should really be of no surprise that hiding or planting the word of God in our hearts is so very important. It's for times like this. Admittedly, we don't quickly recognize how much moral filth or evil that actually fills the heart and mind of a Christ follower. But see, God sees that and He wants to bring it to light so that He can cleanse it and wipe it clean. That's why it's really so important to start your time alone with God, praying to the Father by simply saying, God, search me and know me, and see if there's any moral filth or evil in me. Again, the resurrection power of Jesus is available to me and to you to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what's the big deal if we ignore God of what he sees and what he says in our heart? So what's the big deal? I'm glad you asked me. Great in-depth explanation included right here in the book of James, starting in verse 22. I want you to read it with me. If you can do this out loud, that'll be great. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. I think one of the Biggest moments in the New Testament for Christ followers follows that verse. Listen to what it says. But, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Looking intently literally means to unpack, to dig deep, to ingest the power of God's word into our life. Looking intently into the perfect law that gives freedom. And he will continue to do this, not forgetting what he's heard, but doing it. He is the one who will be blessed in what he does. You see, the mega benefit of reading the word agreeing with the word welcoming it and then practicing it James make it crystal clear right here he says you will be blessed in what you do can you imagine what connection point church would look like if all of us everyone looked intently at what the word says to do and we began to do it we would again and more powerfully than ever before, we would experience the blessing of God. Anybody else want that for their next church experience at Connection Point? Here's one hand, that's exactly what I want. That's what I'm praying for. And God wants each one of us to look intently into his word and do what it says. You see, James is a book about relationships how to deal with conflict, how to stop conflict, maybe even before it starts, how to receive the blessing of God, and how to submit our thoughts before they become words. Relationships are hard, aren't they? They're hard. They're messy. They're often exacerbating. But my friends, I want you to hear me say this. As difficult and messy and exacerbating as relationships can be, they are not impossible. They are not impossible. It's not easy to listen to the word and to do it, but it's not impossible. In fact, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is alive, and he is alive in me. And if you have trusted him by faith with your life, he's alive in you, the resurrected power of Jesus. And he wants every one of his followers to read the word and to do it so it's not impossible. James seems to be giving a red flag warning right here in verse 26. I want you to again join with me. Read it out loud wherever you are. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue. He deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Well, let that sink in for a moment. I don't want my life to be for nothing. I really don't. I don't want my faith to be worthless. And I'm sure you don't want that for your life either. These are tough words, from James, yet they're life-giving all at the exact same time. James takes us back to the beginning of this moment by starting us back at verse 19 again. So I want you to jump back there with me. Take note of this, he said. Take note. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. This is work. This is real effort. This is cooperation with the disciple-making process, the gospel at work in Christ followers. So let me ask a question. How do we know that we're doing what the Father has given us power to do in our lives? Well, here's a good test. What do I do? What do I say? What do I think? How do I respond when things don't go my way? when things are not what I've planned, when people don't do what I expect them to do, when my dreams get cut down, that is when we are placed under the microscope of God's perfect and holy word yet again. And so what we say matters. How we say it matters. When we say it matters. Really something for everybody right here in the book of James. And not just the words Christ's followers say, but the motive and intent of those words. That all matters to God because he sees the heart and he can see all of the moral filth and evil that is so prevalent in me that I've chosen not to see or just literally cannot see. All of that matters to him. And so it's supposed to matter to me as well. Some of us may be thinking right now, wow, Clay, this is kind of hard stuff. Yeah, it is. It really is. I agree with all of those thoughts. But it's not impossible. It is powered by the resurrection of Jesus himself living in me. But it also takes the cooperation with the work of the Holy Spirit in me to embrace and practice and be empowered to do what the Word says to do. So let me ask you a question this morning. How are you doing with this issue? James makes it pretty clear, doesn't he? I was thinking this week, you know, just preaching through certain verses, one right after another, boy, there's just a lot of meat here. So how are you doing with this issue in this area in your life today. Do you listen to what people say? Or are you just biding your time till they slightly take a breath so that you can jump in? Are you usually angry at what happens to you? Do most people just simply make you angry? If your spouse could speak for you right now, what would they say? Are you angry about the same things that God hates? Are you angry about pride in your life, in someone else's life, pride in the body of Christ, does that make you angry? How about gossip? How about selfishness? How about thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought to? Does that stuff make you angry or just what other people do to you ouch wow this book of James doesn't let us up off the mat till we're ready to embrace and begin practicing the word God's Word is actually given to us so that we would imitate Jesus so that others would see him in us because if they see him I'm convinced Jesus is Is absolutely irresistible he's captivating and he has promised to draw others to himself if they see Jesus in me by the things I do and the things that I say so here's a question for you this morning is your anger under submission to the Lord Psalm 119, verses 44 through 45, and the NIV says it this way, I will always obey your law forever and ever. I will walk about in freedom, for I have sought out your precepts. God's laws were given to us not to force us to obey some list of rules, but actually to free us up to live full and blessed lives. So let me ask you a question. Are you ready right now to receive that kind of power and freedom for your life? Freedom even in the area of listening and speaking and becoming angry. If you are, simply say, out loud to the Lord. Yes, Jesus, I'm ready for your power and your freedom. I want your help, oh God, in my responses, with my anger, with my relationships. God, I need you. I need you. Would you help me? Help me listen more than I talk. Help me hold my tongue Help me, Father, wait on the timing of the Holy Spirit. Help me submit my anger to you, God. If that's where you are today, I'd like to ask you to simply join me in praying from my heart, my need. Maybe you'll find that to be consistent with where you are as well. Join me, would you? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that the gospel Changes human lives, not just for eternity, but the gospel changes what we say and how we say it, and what we think and how we respond. God, it changes the very fiber and character of our being. So we thank you, God, for the gospel. Lord, this morning we pray that you would help us. God, help me. Help me be slow to speak quick to listen, and slow to become angry. God, that's not natural for me. I need your power and your strength. God, right now, the best way I know how, I'm submitting myself once again to the word of God. Lord, I want your laws to be alive in me. The law of life and power and joy and peace. God, would you set me on fire with the precepts of your words, even now. We pray all of that in the name of Jesus. Amen.